right, good morning, everyone. Wow, it is good to be together. Um, acapella, man, I'm, I'm so glad that we sang that way today. It's my favorite kind of singing. You know, let's put the instruments down once in a while, and I want to hear Mo. What does he sound like, really? Right? What does he sound like, really? So, um, I don't know if this is up already, but, oh, it is up there. Awesome. So as the series has gone, we've been looking at Jesus from the standpoint of he shall be called. I'm going to start my timer here. Um, Don't want to get in trouble. Uh, And uh, we've been looking at several aspects of Jesus. And as Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Um. You know, over the last uh, couple weeks, we've touched on each one of these aspects of Jesus. And we've been looking at this from the standpoint of the Messianic prophecy about Christ, about really predicting his birth and the amazing qualities that he would have. Obviously, uh, the last week we heard uh, Mo talk about the everlasting father. And there was one thing that he said that really blew me away, the, one of the last points he made which was that uh, God brought about to the world for the first time, introduced perfect fatherhood. That's the only time it ever existed and the only time it ever will. So uh, that was really an amazing point that he made. Uh, And so before we move on into the lesson, I mean, my name is Carlos Santini. I am the the proud husband uh, and father, my wife Alejandra, my two girls, Carla and Sofia. Uh, I've been a disciple for 19 years, going on 20. Uh, Part of the old school UCLA campus ministry back in the day. Right? Back in the day uh, when UCLA was winning football games. Um, And, uh, yeah, we had an okay year. It was cool. I was still winning, even though the last one was rough, man. Um, And uh, I work in the nonprofit sector. You know, I've been in that business for 11 years. Uh, We really uh, focus around after-school education, uh, enrichment, and really helping our young people be leaders in the community. My wife uh, uh, just joined that industry herself. She is an executive director in a nonprofit, so we both, uh, you know, we, uh, we don't have a lot of peace sometimes, you know, because the nonprofit sector is just very, uh, it's very challenging, it's unpredictable, and then a lot of it is based on just people and the needs, and, and, the, and the needs that people have. So uh, it's been interesting. Um, so uh, as you can see here, these are the different aspects that we've been focusing on, and today we're going to look at the Prince of Peace. That's going to be our focus for today. And as you would have it, you know, I always think of these, uh, whenever you get asked to speak, something, you know, for you gamers, you understand the Madden, the Madden curse, right? The Madden curse goes like this. There's, a, there's an NFL game out there called, you know, Madden football. And anytime that a NFL team shows up on that cover of that game, a player specifically, that player either always gets injured, like always gets injured the minute they show up on that game cover. So whenever you get to come up here and speak, and, a, and, you're, and you're asked to focus on a specific topic, guess what happens? The complete opposite, right? So, you know, as we look at peace today, I, I think God gave me a lot of material, you know? A lot of material, a, a lot of humility, uh, and it was just a battle these last couple of weeks. Uh, you ask a man to talk about peace when he moved to a new place during the holidays, Right? That's a bad combination, but we did it anyway. Uh, so it, it's really been uh, incredible to see 
the whole concept of peace in my life and in my family's life. So, um, let's see here if this keeps working. I want to introduce to you uh, my daughter's drawing. And in the middle of that drawing is the Prince of Peace. There he is, right there. Okay? Uh, my daughter, we're teaching her the real meaning of Christmas. You know, or like some of us like to call it, you know, the reason for the season, right? Um, but, uh, so that is the Prince of Peace right in there. Uh, and that is her kind of like, you know, doing her work right there. That's part of it. And I just want to introduce you to my family. There she is, uh, Sophia, right there, waiting to like scribble all over it. In the minute she's done, uh, and then obviously my beautiful family there. That is us. That's fun. <laughs> um, that is a lot of fun. Awesome family. Love them. Love them. What we're going to do first, as we look at the Prince of Peace, we're going to look at the definition of peace, because there is, you know, you open up your dictionary and. Uh, you look at the different aspects. And for the, some of you who can't read this, it's kind of small. We're going to go through it one at a time. But we're going to first look at peace by definition. I really just have two points, which is peace by Jesus and then peace by association. Uh, we're first going to look at the definition of peace. Up there, we've got freedom from civil disturbance. You know, that is a peace I just can't count on, okay? <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, uh, we live in a large metropolis, and regardless of whether you're in a metropolis or a suburb, especially what we've seen in the news, that is a real difficult piece to count on. Then we've got peace uh, defined as a state of security or order within a community provided for by law or custom. Uh, can't count on that either. I'm not going to get into details about that. I don't want people recording this. Um, <laughs> Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. And even as disciples, this is still a peace that haunts us. It's difficult. The biggest battles that are raised are in our mind and in our hearts. And so we can't always count on that peace. So let's strike that out. Harmony in personal relationships. Again, even as believers, even as best friends, we can get on each other's nerves. We can disappoint each other. We can hurt each other. Whether you're a husband, wife, best friends, roommates, boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister, mother, father, you will hurt each other. So that is a peace that we just can't always count on. And then obviously we've got the whole aspect of governments being at peace with each other and staying away from war. That definitely is not happening. The only peace that we can count on on this board is our ability to say, hey, can you give me some peace? I want some peace and quiet. I mean, that's all we could do according to peace by definition. We can only ask for it, and it's not necessarily guaranteed, right? Especially as a dad, right? You're sitting on the couch, you're watching a game. Can I get some peace? I want to watch five minutes. I can't remember the last time I watched a full of anything that was not cartoonish or animated. I'm serious. The last movie I saw was Brave, and I walked out of that because my daughter was crying, right? Just <laughs> Not even brave. Um, <laughs> wow. Think about this relationship for a minute. Without God, the nearer and dearer something or someone is to you, the less peace it will provide. That is kind of a controversial way of looking at things. Because you think the people you love that are closest to you, that they're going to just, they're going to bring you that peace, that security. I can't wait to marry him because I'll be happy. Okay, wait about two weeks, right? 
when you go in that bathroom and the toothpaste is squeezed from the wrong part of the tube or whatever, okay? Oh, and there's socks in every room in the house. Or when he mixes the darks with the whites. I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience. The nearer and dearer something is to you without God, the less peace it will give you. And these are the things that we're talking about. Our spouse, our kids, our jobs, our money, friendships. Without peace, once that goes, then everything starts falling apart. All of it breaks down. Everything is just wrong. Nothing is good for you. You may have the best children in the world, the best wife in the world, the best job in the world. And I go through that. At work, I go through every two years. I go through this because I've been there 11. It's a long time, especially in that industry. And every two years, I, I, I just feel like, is this it? Should I move on? Because in and of itself, it just can't give you peace. No matter how much they pay you. It can't give you peace. And you know, where have I heard this before? Where have I heard this truth? The Bible tells us this truth. Okay? Let's read that. It says here, I've told you all, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart, I have conquered the world. And this is just Jesus preparing us for the truth that this world in and of itself does not bring us the peace that he calls his own. And we're going to look at that in a minute. Um, Jesus wants us to be deeply at peace. And this scripture has my name written all over it. Because there's times that, yes, I feel deeply assured. And there's times where I, I feel like I've taken heart and I'm ready to take on the world. But there are times where the slightest infraction just sends me off the cliff. You know, a couple of days ago, I, um, in, in, the, in the kind of in the middle of the holiday season, I mean, you know, getting in a fight in the holiday season, that's weird, right? That doesn't happen. It happens a lot. And my wife and I literally were on the kitchen floor talking after a disagreement. I was just not, feel, uh, I was not feeling heard. I was not... I felt like I wasn't fulfilled. I felt like I wasn't, like this vacation is not going like I wanted it to go. I, I said, honey, if we go to one more store and have to return one more thing, okay? And my wife was like, talk to me. What do you want? It was just this exchange in which it lasted for days. And we finally just, we sat on that kitchen floor. And, um, and our kids have been saying, dad, mom, enough. No more fighting. Like yesterday in the car, you know, I, I was saying something to my wife. And we were just kind of poking fun at each other. And my, and my daughter, Carla, goes, Dad, no more arguments. So, wow. That is the kind of week we've had. That is what's been kind of getting me to this point. And God sometimes puts you in that corner. Like, he puts you in the corner, not because he wants to see you suffer, but he wants to see you repent. Like, he'll keep pushing you into the corner. He'll get you on the kitchen floor. He'll have your kids telling you until you get it. Because sometimes God said, you know what, sometimes if you, my word, if, it's that, if that's not enough, I will bring out everybody. And they will tell you. If my word is not enough, I'm going to have witnesses, prophets come up. And they're going to tell you. And that prophet may be six years old. <laughs> the Bible says, take heart, because I've overcome the world. You know, uh, in, in my work, in my line of work, Big part of it is I train our staff. 
and we've got a staff of about 400 people. And, um, and I, I, I have a very difficult position in the fact that it, in professional development, the goal is to meet the real needs of the field in education. It's not just about what I think they need. But if you want educators that are prepared, that are ready, that want to be, that feel like they're heard and they're part of really building an organization, you have to put yourself out there. And so I put myself out there consistently about our model and how we develop our training modules and the content and what should be our focus. And constantly, they, the minute we come up with something that I feel is great, a month later, it's getting criticized. It's not meeting my needs. Fine, we rebuild. Here we go. A month later, it's not meeting my needs. And it's just this constant, can't you give people just accept what I'm giving you? You know, I know better than you. That's the kind, that's the kind of thing, the, the, the mindset that enters my head sometimes. I'm doing the research. I'm in your classrooms. I'm observing. I know what you need. But to put myself out there and constantly be criticized in a good way. It's not that it's personal, but to put myself out there and, um, and have to consistently just reinvent kind of like the wheel to meet the needs of the staff, that's difficult. Um, especially when that staff member is 20 years old, you feel like, you're 20, dude. <laughs> okay? Um, but my daughter's six, so <laughs> go figure, right? She's telling me the truth. Um, but all those things just kind of attack the peace that I have, that I want to have. This constant feel, feeling like it's not enough and taking it personal. The Bible says to take heart. Right. Our first point is really peace by Jesus. So once now that we've looked at the definition of it, let's look at peace by Jesus. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is talking about a specific kind of peace. He says, my peace, what I've got to offer, and I leave it with you. I'm not taking it. I'm not being like, Okay, guys, it's cool being with you guys, and now I'm taking, you know, I'm taking my playground ball with me. The game's over, so I'm taking it with me. Jesus is saying, I'm leaving it with you, and it's mine, and I want you to have it. There's a specific kind. You know, so much of our peace or lack of peace comes from our hearts being troubled and from fear. And for people, and for me specifically, um, whenever... I get into a discussion with my wife. I'm constantly interpreting her actions, her words, her intentions. My head is spinning. And, and, I, and, and you know, I really want to dedicate part of today's service to uh, this message to our group. You know, we have a Monday night group that meets uh, twice a month. It's about four of us. And it's been intense. We've been meeting for about a year. And it started off as a group that really dealt with purity in our life. But then it evolved into something else. It evolved into uh, how to lead in your home. And now it's evolving into something a lot deeper that I'm not really going to, you know, necessarily talk about. Um, but it, we're going into places that, you know, they, we've, as men, we've tucked away in a corner. But it's in the forefront of our psyche. It's always there. And it colors everything that we see and do. And right now we're digging into, we just started really. Like our next assignment is that we're going to get together and we're going to go buy journals. Like the, imagine four guys, we're going to go to Barnes & Noble, we're going to buy journals. So we can write some thoughts on paper. And you know, and it's funny because you hear that, right? And you go, guys and journals. But that's the problem. Part of our problem, and we'll look at that a little later, is guys and expression. That is a big part of our lack of peace as men. 
right? And we're going to talk about that. But a lot of our lack of peace comes from our hearts being troubled because we're constantly um, trying to interpret people's actions and words and their intents. And obviously, as parents, fear. Fear is a big one. Uh, I just, like last night, my wife and I had a, like a, a, one of those lifetime conversations until about 1230 at night. And for the first time, I shared with her that ever since moving into our new place, um, I've been fearful. I've gotten up in the middle of the night to check doors and windows. Um, I've just been afraid. I don't know why. We've had a couple of guys that visited our house, you know, just kind of doing their thing and trying to sell stuff. And, but that's kind of like, we're on Westwood Boulevard just before National, right next to the Winchells. <laughs> so whenever you buy Winchells, you got to wonder, you know, like, mm, you know. <laughs> so, so that's part of the fear. That's part of the fear that I have. Uh, but that's been keeping me up at night because I want, uh, it's, been, it's been scaring me a little bit. And I've gotten up to check my house to make sure I'm okay, that my kids are okay. And my wife's okay. Fear has been gripping me lately. Right? But Jesus says, I have a peace. And what is that peace? It says here, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then it says, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So what are the secret ingredients for Jesus' peace, his peace? And we read them in the scripture. But it's really knowing where he was going. That's really a part of his secret ingredient for peace. Is Jesus knew where he was headed. No matter what happened on earth, the pain he would feel, if he remained obedient, he knew where he was going. He was going to be with his father. The other secret, he believed and he loved people. Contrary to what I just said, that I'm constantly interpreting people's actions. Jesus is just loving and believing in people. And the peace that comes from that is amazing. The fact that you're not sitting there trying to analyze someone's every move, the fact that you can just love them and believe in them, that just frees up so much energy. Right? And the other thing about Jesus is that he embraced God's strength within him and not his own. It wasn't just about what he could do. He knew and he was at peace that without the Father he could do nothing, so why, why even waste time? in trying to do it on, your, on his own, on our own. Jesus embraced that truth, and that gave him a lot of peace. Now we're going to move into peace by association. And I'm going to show you um, a couple of pictures here, <laughs> okay? Um, this is a little bit of, uh, you know, some, some, a cartoonish kind of look at uh, two boats. And on the right, we know this is the famous... Uh, the famous uh, story of Jesus and the disciples in a storm. And Jesus is saying, if you can't read it, just give me five more minutes. I'll get up in a minute. Just hold on. And on the left, we have Jonah. And these two pictures are interesting because, first of all, Jesus is sleeping topside, right there in the, in the middle of all the action. With all the storm brewing and the men yelling and screaming, he's there while Jonah slept in the, in the ship's hold, away from everything, totally disconnected. One man was near the man in the action, the other retreated from all that was going on. And the reason why I call this point peace by association, that the peace in these two boats had everything to do with, with who the boat was associated with. So we've got Jesus on one and Jonah on the other. Right. Um, 
First, we're going to look at Jonah. And we know that this is a, this is a famous story. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail. But Jonah was a prophet sent by God to really go to Nineveh and preach against that city for its wickedness, which is not doing well. So God said, go to Nineveh and handle business. And he said, uh, no, I'm going to Joppa instead. See you later. He went to Joppa, and he happened to see a boat, and he said, I'm going to take that boat. Where is that boat going? Tarshish. And at that point in time, historians say that Tarshish could have been one of the most western points uh, in uh, civilization, civilization then, the coast of Spain. Uh, very, very far away from where he was. Um, he, went to, he was supposed to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh was one of the largest, if not the largest city at the time. It is said that Nineveh could have taken three days to cross on foot. It's a huge, huge city. So he ran from God very far away. And you knew, uh, based on that action, that boat that he got on, you knew that peace was going to be hard to come by uh, on that ship. I'm going to read this verse to prepare us for what we're about to see. It says, But the Lord sent a strong wind on the sea, and the storm was so violent that the ship was in danger of breaking up. You've got to wonder sometimes what, what storms God sends our way. What does he have in store? I'm going to share a couple of those storms that I've had. But uh, hopefully the volume is set. If we can uh, hit the lights here, I'd like to show a very brief clip um, from a movie called The Perfect Storm.
what must have those men felt on that boat with Jonah? And, uh, you know, just like life in this movie, we saw in the beginning of that clip, there was a little glimpse of light. Like you felt like, okay, they're out of the storm. And you almost see that look on their face like, oh, man, we're, we're going to make it. We're going to be okay. And then the clouds just envelop that sunlight. And, uh, and, the character, and one of the lead characters there says, he's not going to let us out. He's got us. Life is like that. You know, you feel like there's a moment where, okay, the peace is coming. It's going to be okay. And all of a sudden, the clouds just close up and you're in darkness again. That is the peace that is brought by the world. And while all of this was going on, imagine that kind of storm. Jonah was, had gone below and was lying in the ship's hold, sound asleep. How could Jonah be sleeping at a time like this? In a storm like this? But a lot of us can be that way, you know. Uh, I mean, I can completely disconnect when there is a storm raging because I don't want to face it. Uh, if, I could be, if I could be any animal, I could be an ostrich, put my head in the sand because I just, I'm going to be sound asleep in the hold of the ship. Don't get me, you know. And Jonah was sleeping. So when Jonah was doing this, snoring, what were the men saying and doing on the surface? Bible says that they were terrified and cried out for help each to his own God. They were terrified. They then started throwing their possessions overboard. It finally says, if Jonah prays to his lowercase God, maybe he will be heard. And it's crazy because if you think of this, there was a prophet on this boat and none of these men knew that. There was a man of God on this ship. And it wasn't until later they go, this is your God? Your, your God is doing this? Dude, dude you need to get off this boat. <laughs> and eventually another story, he gets tossed overboard. But before that, we know, we look at this stuff and we go, you know, without peace, with worldly peace, the peace that is defined by the dictionary, we can be terrified. We can wake up. In the middle of the night and check to see if everything's okay. Because there's nobody, we feel like nobody's ahead of us. Nobody's interceding for us. So we feel like we have to get up and do it ourselves. We start throwing things overboard. We realize maybe sometimes too late, all these things that we don't need. Overboard. All I want is my peace, man. Ever heard of that story of, that, of, of two old men, right? Um, one old man just always lived in a little, in a little village with his boat. And another man decided to become, pursue riches and, and get wealthy and look for possessions. And at the end of the day, what did that rich man wanted to do? He wanted to live in a small village with a small boat, just like the other guy. So they realized they started throwing possessions overboard. And then finally, if Jonah prays to his lowercase God, there was just no faith on that ship. And when there is no peace, when we have, when there is no godly peace, all these things can happen. We can be constantly terrified. If the peace that we depend on, if, that's, if we only depend with what's right in front of our face, we can constantly be terrified. We come to the cold reality that our stuff is not enough. We become dull and disconnected, and we can feel a deep loneliness and abandonment. All that happens. And it's interesting. Last night, I, I really shared with my wife a lot of the things that have kept me up, a 
a lot of the things that I'm just haunted by. And uh, for the first time in like 15 years of knowing her, I shared some of those things with her just last night. I recommend every brother to come up here and preach, okay? Because you will end up having a deep conversation with your wife or with your friend about something. Because the way that God stirs your heart in preparing for a time like this. But what happens when we are in that boat in a storm and Jesus is on that boat with us instead? Let's get out of that crazy doom and gloom like there's nobody here. Jesus is on our boat. What's going to happen then? Okay. He says here, then he got up in the, then he got in the boat. His disciples with him. Um, I can't read this very well. I'll just read here. Uh, the next thing they knew, they were in a severe storm, much like Jonah and his ship. Waves were crashing into the boat, and he was sound asleep. For the sake of time, I'm just going to um, say a few things here. I've underlined the next thing they knew, because a lot of our peace is attacked there. Is the least expected things, because we are very, we can be, in, in, you know, we're in the West Side. We got our planners, we got our, our iPhone, we got our iPad, we've got everything, and we're planning. We're sinking. I got an invitation from Sai online yesterday about the order of the service and who's next and who's first. I'm like, man, that's hot. You know, it's all planned out online right here. We're good at planning, but it's the peace is that's where it's most vulnerable. When it's the next thing we know. I paid off my car, man. I'm happy. I'm excited. The engine falls out two weeks from now. You know, it's just like, ah, my peace is shattered because the next thing I know, what is your next thing? You can't see it coming. Can't see it coming. This is the area in which I struggle the most. And it's interesting. I have a friend of mine who's in the military, and he shared this quote with me. The more thou sweateth in training, the less thou bleedeth in combat. And I was like, that stuck with me. And that is so much what Jesus wants us to do, to train ourselves to have his peace. Because the more we sweateth in our training to look for peace, his peace, when we are confronted by an angry landlord like I was yesterday, my landlord came to move stuff out of our place. And it was raining and I thought, wow, okay, you're really committed, you know. Um, and he noticed that if we took blinds down and put curtains instead, he went off on me. He went off for a while. And I sat there and I looked at him. And I said, I have one of two choices. I can just go toe-to-toe with this guy and tell him I'm a 40-year-old man. I got two kids. I pay my mortgage or my rent, sorry. <laughs> um, but I had to really step back and say, what is up with him? What is he fighting with? What are his demons? What is he struggling with? And I think Jesus wants us to train so that we don't bleed in combat as much. We will bleed a little. But Jesus is training my peace so that when you're confronted with some of this stuff, you're not going to go toe-to-toe and bleed to death. You will be humble and you will pour hot coals. And next thing I know... He's apologizing. He says, man, I'm just tweaked right now. You need to understand. So I knew where he was coming from. But in the moment there, I felt like this guy's totally attacking me. This guy's totally attacking me. Um, I'm going to fly through some of this stuff. I want to show you this boat. This is actually called the Jesus Boat, Unearthed, 1986, at the Sea of Galilee. This is a Galilean ship from the area of Jesus. They don't necessarily say this is his boat. 
but it was much like his boat that he was in the storm with. And look at this thing. It's amazing. It is, uh, the, the government almost had the whole Sea of Galilee lowered to get this ship out. But they decided to improvise another way. But, and the tourist says, how could Jesus sleep on the ribs of this ship? How is that possible? He must have been dead on his feet. All right? So there it is again. And uh, Jesus says here, why are you so frightened, Jesus answered. How little faith you have as the storm is brewing. Then he got up and ordered the winds and the waves to stop, and there was a great calm. And like in anything, you know, the Bible, we, we don't go out there, and we're not in a ship, you know. And we live in L.A. We don't have storms like that. But this is about the winds and the waves that are brewing in here and in here. And Jesus says, I will calm them. Because so much of the peace that we saw earlier defined by the world has nothing to do with the peace we can control, which is our own. What's happening in here and in here. And Jesus said here to his disciples, he got up and he calmed the storm. And right now, when we look at Jesus' peace, we need to ask for him to calm our storms, our winds, our waves. What are they? And how are you getting those needs met? How are you able to actually talk about some of that stuff? Um... You know, the dynamic in our men's group is, like I said, we've begun to dug, to dig deep in some of this stuff. Uh, and if you heard of Joven, Joven, Joven Belcher, I think is his name, the Kansas City chief that took his own life um, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, went, uh, killed his girlfriend, then he went to the training center, was in front of his coach and another executive from the Kansas City chiefs, and he thanked them for everything, and he put a gun to his head and he killed himself. And then ESPN and CNN and several other um, uh, news uh, agencies wrote articles about what that meant. And uh, it talks about, uh, there's, I'm just going to read a, a quick synopsis from this article written by Kevin Powell. Uh, and it talks about how that was, it's a time for men to redefine what manhood is. It says here, but the jerk reactions have been rampant on the social networks about what he did. Coward is a term being used to describe Belcher. But that is too easy far too simplistic, and name-calling never, never solves a problem. Belcher was a man living in the supersized macho world of football, a world in which many of us Americans male, American males reside, be it football or not. To many of us, uh, too many of us have been taught manhood in a way that is not healthy. Be tough. Men do not cry. Man up. These are things that I've heard my entire life, and now I cringe when I hear this relate to, uh, to boys or younger men by teachers, coaches, fathers, mentors, and leaders. So the men, when we talk about this peace and this way, these winds and these waves, for men is this issue of not being able to really talk about our fears. And that creates like this storm in our heart that we can't talk because we need to man up. And we can't talk to our wives because we don't want our wives to be able to hear and share some of that pain. When in reality, they have less peace because they don't hear the reality of our life. And we think the opposite. We think if we don't tell them They'll be peaceful, but they know. My wife knows. The reality is, as husbands, if we tell our wives, they'll have more peace and not the opposite. There's winds and waves in our mind that Jesus, his peace, wants to calm and wants to soothe. Um, and I want to go through this. That uh, how was it that Jesus on this boat was able to give peace to these men. 
Lucky for them, they were, Jesus was on that boat. Um, Jesus was sleeping because his Father is ever-present and never sleeps. A lot of our peace comes from the truth that God is out there. And he's ever-present, always working. And like my daughter says, Daddy, God's not done yet, right? She says that a lot. She says that a lot. Whenever she sees creation, whenever she sees something happening, uh, she goes, God's not done yet, right, Dad? And I think for us, we need to have that peace that God is not done. Ten years as a Christian, 20 years as a Christian, God is not done. How else did, did these men have peace on that boat? They knew where Jesus stood versus Jonah where he was buried in the hole of the ship. And then nothing else needed to happen on that boat other than Jesus interceding. If we're going to have peace, we have to believe that Jesus goes ahead of us and he intercedes for us. Okay? To whom or what do we associate our peace with? And this is how we, we're going to close out in two slides. Jesus gives us his peace. He walks ahead of us and orders the storms in our life to cease through our faith in him versus the worldly peace. The men in Jonah's boat had no one interceding for them. Quite the opposite, they had no idea who was out there and if said person or people was capable of helping them. Those are the two realities of peace. Finally, the Prince of Peace can give us something so remarkable that defies all understanding. Do not worry. Learn to pray about everything. If there's anything for 2013 that I need to repent in and that will give me peace, and I can guarantee it will give you peace, is to learn to pray about everything. That gives us so much peace. Give thanks to God as you ask him for what you need. The peace of God is much greater than the human mind can understand. This peace will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And once we do that, there is a peace that spans a generation. Our kids can see it. They can see that peace in us, so then they are peaceful. And we don't exasperate our children with our fear and our troubled hearts. I want to share a book title with you. If anything, you're a parent, you have to pick up this book. It's called Someday. And it's really about really what keeps a parent up at night. And how this mother really longs for some amazing things for her daughter. I'll kind of show you a sneak peek of some of the pages, right? Um, it says up here, one day I counted your fingers and kissed each one. One day the first snowflakes fell and I held you up and watched them melt on your baby skin. One day we crossed the street and you held my hand tight someday. And I think that's what Jesus wants, you know, for his peace. For his peace to be able to provide this kind of security. That we hold his hand, that he carries us, and that someday we're going to be in heaven with him, really celebrating the amazing peace that he gave us. Thank you guys. Have an amazing Sunday. Love you. Happy New Year. Let's give Carlos another hand. Appreciate so much what Carlos uh, did this morning. You know, I love that scripture in John 16 where Jesus says, In this world, you may have trouble, right? No. Come on, guys. <laughs> he says, In this world, you will have trouble. This is one thing you can take to the bank. And, you know, during this season, we all love taking time and spending it with our families and going on vacations and figuring out uh, great things we can do as a family. And it's, it's awesome. I start thinking that uh, long before this even came, 
all the days I'm going to take off, all the movies I'm going to watch, all the times I'm going to turn my phone off and my texting off, and I will answer anybody. This is going to be my time of peace. And I guarantee you it was not always a time of peace. I actually appreciate Carlos that his first fight happened two weeks after his marriage. Mine happened two hours. No, actually two days. You know, what we can be 100% sure of, we will have trouble. I love uh, the points he talked about. Where is the peace going to come from? And I think it's just knowing that what Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We will have peace only if we keep our eyes fixed in Jesus. And we will have peace if we understand that Jesus knew where he was going, as Carlos said, but he spent his time with his friends. He had a mission, and that mission was how to spend his life bringing peace to people. This is the end of 2012, and we have another chance. And I know what we do usually around this time is we make a lot of resolution only to break them. And I want to make it really simple. I want to encourage you to have just one resolution, and that resolution is to make a decision. I want to spend whatever is left of this year, all of next year, and the rest of my life focused on how to know Jesus, how to become just like him, how to be one with him. Some of you are studying the Bible right now. I know that. And you're doing the most important thing you'll ever do. Not just what steps you need to follow, but what relationship you can develop with God. Some of you have studied the Bible. Some of you have made that decision many years ago, like me and many of you. Just go back and remember that. What kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? Does he lead your ship? Does he sail it for you? Does he command it? Does he captain it for you? Or, or you are the captain of your own soul. Carlos, thank you so much because we do need peace and you just gave us a great plan. I want us to uh, talk a little bit about what's happening next week. As this year comes to close, please make sure you have an awesome time. Spend time in your Bible. Spend time with your loved ones. Talk about what you learned this last year and have this great plan of what you're going to do as far as your walk with God and your relationship with him next year. But next Sunday, as we... Many of us are going to be getting together not as one church like we're doing today. A lot of people will be coming back from their vacations, and we're going to have our different workshops. For the singles, uh, I know you guys have got the word out, and you have your workshop already planned. As far as the family ministry, we will meet here in this auditorium, not at 10 o'clock in the morning unless you want to worship just by yourself. We will meet at 3 o'clock, and we go from 3 to 5, and then all the family group leaders are going to spend an hour together from 5 to 6. So again, we will meet here as the family ministry and the teens with us from 3 to 6 o'clock, uh, 3 to 5 for everybody, 5 to 6 for the small group leaders. Uh, with this, Happy New Year. Have a great time. Stay safe. And... Let's all plan for an amazing year next year. Thank you.